Welcome to Grid Talk, a series of conversations with the leaders and innovators shaping the 21st century grid. Hosting the podcast is Marty Rosenberg, an award-winning energy journalist. The series is sponsored by the Department of Energy's Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Now, here's Marty Rosenberg with Grid Talk. Hi, and welcome to Grid Talk. Today, we are especially pleased to have with us Simon Zudu, who's at the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, where he directs the transmission planning, regulatory processes, and innovation. Hi, Simon. How are you? Hi. Hello, Marty. Happy to be here. We're looking forward to a full discussion of what it means to take a city of the size of Los Angeles to 100% renewable. Uh, I believe the target now is 2035. And I uh, read one op-ed saying the price tag will be about $86 billion. Anything to update on either of those numbers? Uh, uh, that is correct. About a year and a half ago, we concluded a very uh, groundbreaking and historic study with the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. We call it the LA100 study. And uh, that study was um, uh, put together for um, a f- to do a feasibility study, or if you will, more of an evaluation of what it would take to get to 100% clean energy at the city of Los Angeles. And what was determined as part of that study was uh, there are, uh, it is possible to get to 100% uh, as early as 2035. And, uh, but it would take a significant investment, 50 to $85 billion is the estimate that was put together as part of the study. Uh, at the same time, the study indicates that we're going to significantly increase our renewable uh, portfolio. Uh, there's going to be a significant and a noteworthy uh, uh, area of interest is going to be the uh, uh, electrification of the transportation sector, which will which may double our uh, electrical load within the city. So it's going to be a lot of improvements that we need to make into the distribution system build out on the generation side and the transmission assets that we have, including the distribution system. So it would be something that we haven't done in the past within such a short period of time, but we're very excited and uh, we are committed to uh, uh, to do the job. So for all of the folks in the industry that are listening in and want to get into the weeds on this, when you have a system as large as yours, which is the largest municipal utility in the United States, and you double load in less than 20, 15 years, uh, what does it look like as director of transmission um, with a, quite a, an elaborate grid? What do you have to do? And what do you need to deploy in the way of wind, solar, and energy storage? One thing we know is that the uh, the renewable level that we, we're going to increase it to almost like 80%, uh, we're going to depend on solar and wind. Uh, unlike other conventional resources, renewable resources are location-specific. So we need to bring them, import uh, a lot of energy from uh, uh, out of California, and in, including California as well, but significantly out of California. For those reasons, we need to... Um, uh, significantly increase the capacity of existing transmission lines that we have. The department owns and operates about 3,600 miles of transmission lines that transverse in five different states. We need to upgrade those. Uh, Not only that, we need to look into how we can come up with new corridors, 
collaborate with other agencies to build new transmission lines to be able to support the load within the city of Los Angeles. So um, from a resource perspective, we're gonna depend um, not only from imported um, resources, but within the city, for example, we do have some conventional generating stations. How can we convert those to a clean energy? One thing that we're looking at is the uh, usage of green hydrogen. It's a, a clean resource. And how can we use that resource to um, run some of our local generating stations that we have? So uh, LADWP is, in fact, the leader in this area. We're looking at green hydrogen very seriously, and we're having conversations with the state government and the federal government as well on that same topic. So to give people a sense of proportions here, if the price tag is as high as $86 billion, what share would be allocated for transmission and distribution lines? I think this, uh, a significant portion is going to be on the power purchasing agreements. Those are going to be, uh, even though the price of uh, solar and wind have gone down significantly, we have to pair those resources with storage batteries. A good portion of that is going to be paid, not in lump sum, but over the years in the future. So the investment that we're talking about will be amortized over the next uh, 20 to 30 years. Those are how long those contracts are. But uh, the distribution system upgrade is going to be the one, perhaps uh, most challenging one. We need to build some new substations. We're going to um, upgrade a lot of our circuits uh, locally. Those are going to be, you know, doing any type of construction in a very urbanized area. Usually, it, as you can imagine, it's very difficult. Those are the areas where we anticipate some challenges. So tell us a little bit about the breakdown of your customer base. If I read it correctly, about three quarters are commercial industrial customers in terms of load and one quarter residential. Is that about right? That's correct. Um, about um, 60 to 65% of our revenues derived uh, from our industrial and primarily commercial customers. The rest constitute the residential customers. How will, will the cost of, of this transition, this transformation, which is really unprecedented, uh, be broken down among those customers? Will it fall proportionally uh, according to customer bases, or, or will some customers be affected more than others? Uh, correct. Um, uh, for that same reason, I think you know what we have learned from the LA100 study is that there are some questions that were not answered as part of that study, which was how are the various communities within Los Angeles are going to be impacted? And uh, just to share with you the state of the city of Los Angeles, about 47% of the city's designated as disadvantaged neighborhoods. That is, uh, they represent, uh, uh, you know, our, a good portion of our residential customers. Renters and multifamily homes, are, are, those are the majority of our residential customers. They want to see some benefits from this transformation that we're looking at. Everyone gets to enjoy the clean air. However, um, in terms of benefits and burdens, who would be benefiting? What type of programs will we have in the future? How can we expand existing programs as well? Simon, if we, if we go across, look at that breakdown for a second, yeah. is it fair to say that the commercial industrial customers constituting two-thirds to three-quarters of the load will bear two-thirds to three-quarters of the cost of this? And if so, will it mitigate the impact on those disadvantaged neighborhoods somewhat? 
Uh, correct. But I think it can be done. Uh, we don't want any specific customer sector or a uh, specific customer to be burdened as, um, you know, at the expense of another. We're trying to avoid any cross subsidies or any type of cost shift. So we need to take a look at equity within the city. For that reason, we are conducting an LA100 equity strategy study currently. We're still partnering with NREL, the uh, National Renewable Energy Laboratory, to do that in UCLA. Affordability, rate restructuring is uh, some of the areas that we're looking at, um, and all the benefits that may come out of these projects and how can we make sure that all communities benefit. So th this could have huge impact nationally. You you mentioned the disadvantaged neighborhoods. A lot of folks know the glitter and, and the, the shine of Los Angeles, but they may not be aware that L.A. is up there with Detroit and Miami as among the poorest cities in the United States. Talk about that engagement equity study and, and how you're working on it. How many people are involved? What's the time frame? What do you hope to discover? And how transformational do you think it'll be in terms of how energy costs are borne? One topic that we're looking at is energy justice, uh, basically trying to reduce the energy burden on uh, our customers. And with a special prism, too, uh, on disadvantaged communities, environmental justice communities, uh, communities that have not been part of the conversation in energy system decisions. So we have set up uh, what we call a steering committee. The steering committee primarily is composed of community-based organizations. For the first time, we have created a community, you know, a, a special space for community-based organizations to be part of the driving force for this study. They actually, from their community and their experience, they share a lot of ideas with the researchers so that the researchers take those into consideration in uh, performing the studies. What we want to see at the end of the day is a set of strategies, implementation-ready strategies, where we can implement equity and we will be able to measure equity in the future and to see what success would look like from an equity perspective. So in terms of new programs, projects we have, job creation, in terms of community solar, what can we do in those communities to, um, uh, to clean up the air, to, for them to be part of the transformation that we're going through, and at the same time, in, in a way that can be affordable. Let's talk about affordability and let's get granular on what equity means. If we take the 86 billion, assume that's the figure, and divide it by you 1.5 million customers based on energy usage, you come up with one figure, but somebody making $250,000 a year could bear that much easy, much more readily than somebody that's below the poverty line. So what does equity mean in that kind of situation? Um, equity, if you look at the $86 billion, um, as I mentioned earlier, it's not going to be a lump sum amount that needs to get, that will be paid over the next 13 years, between now and 2035. We will be um, entering contracts where we'll end up, uh, we'll pay for those contracts way beyond the 2035 timeframe. So the $86 billion is the total net net uh, present uh, value of the, the contract that we'll be entering and the investment that we'll be making. So from that regard, um, the, the rates that we will see, will rates go up? Yes, but our uh, intent is to make sure that the rate impact is going to be minimal, 
the price of renewable energy is significantly going down. It has gone down by 90% over the last 12 years. And we believe that uh, that trend will continue. Uh, we do have some currently some supply chain issues that uh, are fluctuating the price, but the price trends and trajectory is supposed to go down in the future. So that's what we are looking at. We're looking at the long term uh, investment. The $86 billion is not between now and 2035. That, that's a good point. But let me ask you this. Being a, a municipal utility, you're a political entity. Um, does politics get in the way sometimes? Or do you think because you're a political entity, you can bring transformation faster and build consensus faster than a, a typical investor-owned utility? Um, I think, you know, the big driving factor for us is uh, Los Angeles has been known for air quality issues year after year for the last uh, 15 years that I know that uh, all the data indicates that the city uh, air quality is it has worsened over the years. We do have the uh, largest concentration of uh, vehicles here, transportation sector. Uh, we do have a large port, um, a lot of economic activity. It is a vast city, but at the same time, it, there is uh, environmental justice issues and air quality issues within the city of Los Angeles. So the real driving factor is climate change and the the zeal, I think the, the push by our leaders to clean up the air so that um, there's uh, lower levels of respiratory issues, health health issues, life quality issues. So um, I would not um, uh, frame it with, from a political point of view. It's a real issue here in the city of Los Angeles that we have uh, pollution and we need to do everything we can, at least as a utility, to make sure that our contribution is completely eliminated from uh, greenhouse gas emissions. To circle back a little more, though, on, on politics, with 47% of your neighborhoods being disadvantaged, the question of equity, Simon, isn't it not just relative to those communities, but uh, I believe your city council recently debated the fact that some of the emerging and needed technologies like uh, more deployed heat pumps, charging for EVs, is going to be difficult for middle class and lower middle class families as well. What's the politics of that and what's the equity scenario playing out with middle class and lower middle class families? Yes, the equity issue might be dire to our disadvantaged communities, but we should uh, have programs and I think incentives and rebates that actually make life a little easier for all communities within the city of Los Angeles. I think a true equity to me is where all communities within the city of Los Angeles share in the benefits and share in the burdens as well. I think that's what we will call success. So the equity strategy study is trying to achieve that. We're not looking at only one specific community, but there are some vulnerable communities where even a modest uh, increase in rates will mean a choice between you know, uh, having food or medicine or uh, paying their power bills. What you mentioned, like heat pumps and some other technologies that we can use to alleviate uh, some of the issues we have are being considered as part of the equity strategies so that uh, people will get the benefits of having, for example, air conditioning or cooler air or um, accessibility in times of community solar programs. That's gonna benefit them a lot. The study that you're doing, in terms of equity, when did it start and does it have an end date? 
And again, how massive is it? How many people are involved? What kinds of, of results do you hope to find out? And when will you find it? The study was approved by our board um, in June of 2021. We've been working on it for one year. And um, in May of 2023, the study will complete. We've been working not only with our steering committee, we do have an advisory committee as well. The advisory committee primarily consists of um, our city council members, some city agencies where there might be some nexus between what we're doing and some city you know, operations like Department of Housing, Department of Transportation, the port and the airport. And what we're trying to achieve at the end is a set of strategies that the department can, LADWP can use in the future as a template to achieve equity in all new programs and new investments that we'll be making over the next 13 years. Everything will be looked at from a prism of equity so that uh, we monitor it on a regular basis and report to our communities whether we have met our equity uh, targets. What what has been your engagement strategy and how has it worked? Are you getting dozens of folks showing up, hundreds, thousands? Tell, give me a flavor of what's happening as you go about this two-year effort. We are, uh, since the steering committee is consisting of the major uh, community-based organizations within the city of Los Angeles, they have been the conduits for us to reach into the communities. We have held two community meetings uh, so far and at least six uh, what we call listening sessions or uh, focus groups on specific topics. So we have gathered a lot of information so far and we'll continue to have um, uh, community meetings uh, at various neighborhood councils and across the city. Uh, Our goal is to gather as much information as possible on what the community's concerns are, what they want to see, the kind of improvement that they want to see, and what equity and energy justice mean to them, and include that as part of the solutions package so that in the future, what we implement is not only what the department LADWP prescribes, but it has actually organically come in from, uh, comes in from the community. Have you done any polling on how aware the average person in Los Angeles today is of what LADWP is contemplating here, how aware of the changes to the grid that are coming? Is it widespread? Are you finding most people do not know what's coming? Uh, I think um, for LA100 study, when it was concluded in March of 2021, there was um, an effort uh, to uh, poll in terms of what uh, people's Uh, sense of acceptance into the the type of transformation that we need. Um, Going to 100% is perhaps the most popular idea within the city of Los Angeles. I think people are supportive of it by large. One concern that we we keep on hearing is affordability. Uh, That's one area. And how fast are we going to do it? And doing it in a very equitable way. You know, I think that's when why we're doing this equity strategy study, because we heard from the communities, one concern they have is about the equity issue. Uh, The investment and its rate implication will be uh, known, I think, by the end of this year. We are uh, currently, the study, LA100 study gave us what we call the multiple pathways to get to 100%. Now the department is conducting what we call strategic long-term resource planning. Um, um, typically within the utility industry, it's called the IRP, Integrated Resource Planning Process. 
to identify specific pathways to get 100%. There is an advisory committee for that. Once the, uh, the specific pathway is selected, then uh, rate analysis will be conducted and what will be the impact uh, on rates. That's when I think um, a good discussion can take place. How, what type of rate increase? Or do we need any uh, uh, rate adjustment? What would affordability will look like? We will merge the equity strategies with the, uh, the integrated resource plan findings and try to make those adjustments so that equity will be part of the uh, implementation process. Simon, the last question I'd li like you to really um, take a, a good hard swing at is you've been at LADWP for 20 years. Before that, you were with the World Bank, so you've tracked major economic issues as they've played out around the world, uh, and if, I assume affecting disadvantaged communities. When you look at what you're trying to pull off here in Los Angeles, um, is there the possibility of all of us discovering some great surprise? You talk about how solar and renewable have and wind have come down. Storage is on the cusp of being developed. There's a lot of innovation taking place there. Could we see a scenario that similar to what pay, played out with PC chips where as they were being innovated and changed, prices continued to plunge and do you think the energy equation here that you're tackling is a way to really significantly address poverty in Los Angeles, of making energy truly, truly way more affordable than it's ever been, employ inner city people in being part of that transformation, and, and really get us to a place that none of us can envision right now? Precisely. Um, uh, Marty, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. We're looking for, um, I think, Innovation is on our uh, radar screen uh, 24 hours a day. And over the, even the last five years, we've seen a lot of improvements. Um, the green hydrogen technology, for example, the improvement and um, the infrastructure bill that was passed by Congress uh, a few months ago, uh, we believe that is going to help us a lot by supporting some of the emerging technologies and um, I think supporting some of the pilot projects. Those are the type of investments that government can make and to really accelerate some industries to build that economies of scale so that the affordability of those technologies is evident. So uh, we truly believe that uh, the energy storage industry will, um, I think, advance significantly in the next five to 10 years. If you see the trajectory from last five years, we, it has come a long way. Uh, the green hydrogen technology is something that we're looking at, um, uh, turbines that will be able to run with 100% green hydrogen um, uh, by 2035. Most of the manufacturers think it's possible. And the, the federal government is making significant, um, you know, um, I think, uh, uh, funding behind it, creating hydrogen hubs, about eight or so that Department of Energy thinking. We hope one of them is going to be in Southern California. So we're looking at those and technology and innovation is really part of the solution here. Um, we have a, a very ambitious and aggressive plan because of climate change and what it has, the impact it has on our residents and citizens in the city of Los Angeles. And we're always looking for a, a, a newer technology that would get us there faster. Thank you, Simon. It's been great talking to you. Thank you, Marty. It's been a pleasure on your show. We're talking with Simon Zudu 
who's the Director of Transmission Planning, Regulatory, and Innovation at LADWP, the largest municipal utility in the United States. And thank you for listening to Grid Talk. You can send us feedback or questions at gridtalk at nrel.gov. And we encourage you to give the podcast a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. For more information or to subscribe, visit smartgrid.gov. Thanks for listening to Grid Talk, presented by the U.S. Department of Energy Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Subscribe through your favorite podcast provider or visit smartgrid.gov for more information.